Let's Parent on Purpose. It's your parenting podcast if you want to thrive and not just survive these parenting years. My name's Jay Holland, and I'll be bringing 20-plus years of youth pastoring, parenting, foster parenting, mentoring, and making every mistake in the book as we seek to learn together to do a better job with the kids that God's given us. And speaking of the kids that God has given us, uh, today is a really uh, unique, really special day for my family. Um, one of those days that I don't, I don't know that I ever thought would come. It just seems so far away. Today is the first official day that my son Elijah is finished with chemotherapy treatment for acute lymphoblastic leukemia, which he was diagnosed with on April 14th. 2014. Um, he was just five years old, finishing up kindergarten at the time, and uh, it just it felt like it, not just felt like it absolutely came out of the blue. Uh, he'd been a happy, healthy kid, maybe a little bit pale for a week or two beforehand, but still uh, really active and, and, and just growing and doing great. And all of a sudden, he gets a little tiny fever one weekend, and by the end of the weekend, looked like pneumonia. And yeah, you know, just that, I, I think it was Sunday night, it spiked to 105 degrees. Monday morning, it was 105 degrees with um, with chest congestion. And so we go into the ER and, and uh, you know, I'll never forget that day as the doctor uh, looks at looks at me and, and my wife and says, this makes me really sick to my stomach to say, but you've got a very sick little boy. And uh, it looks like he's got leukemia and there's an ambulance pulling up out front to take him to a children's hospital, St. Mary's Children's Hospital down in West Palm Beach. And that began a journey that we would have never, ever picked. I don't think any family would ever possibly pick. And uh, one of those that's just absolutely changed our lives. It's changed the, the course and the trajectory of our lives. Uh, we know Jesus in ways that we just would not know otherwise. Um and so I thought I'd just take today and, and, and think back on that a little bit, some of, of what we went through, and especially observations as a dad walking through it, as a parent of somebody who's going through that treatment, and uh, just some of the things that the Lord's laid on my heart. So it's a little bit different today. It's not, um, I don't know, it might not be particularly instructional, but but I hope that in in hearing a little bit of our story, uh, you, can, you can see Jesus for your own family. Um, so I, I do remember... April 14th, those lines from that doctor, and then I think it was just the next day, April 15th, after a long night in the pediatric ICU and uh, nurses coming in and hanging just bag after bag of, of, of blood for Elijah. I, I, I It's hard now as I think back to remember the numbers, but I know he was down to about 25% of his red blood cell count that he should have had about 25% of his platelets, 25% of his, his white blood cell count. He was dying. It was just, there was no way around it. He was absolutely just dying. And um, we just thought he had pneumonia. Um, so I, I remember hearing leukemia that first day and being at least wise enough in, in shock, but being wise enough to not go on the internet and start researching every leukemia possible. Because I, I knew there were a bunch and I knew that he didn't have them all. And the last thing on earth that I needed was to take on the weight of every possibility that he might have. Um, so I just I remember laying there and, and just 
looking at him and crying and maybe dozing off every once in a while and then waking up and, and just being in agony, not knowing do we have just a few days left with our little boy. Um, those were hard days, hard times. Um, we were told initially that it was going to be a few days before they would have an actual diagnosis, but but by God's grace, it was actually the next day. And uh, again, I'll never forget, um, this was Dr. Saxena, uh, this amazing, uh, great doctor from India who was um, part of Elijah's oncology group that, that we soon came to know and love, uh, marching in the room with a couple of the other staff members from St. Mary's Hospital and sitting down and looking at us and saying, okay, your son has acute lymphoblastic leukemia, and this is an excellent cancer uh, because we know how to treat this one really well, and there's a very high cure rate from it. So uh, it was just so bizarre to have somebody tell you that your child has cancer, but to say it with such enthusiasm and such confidence that you, you're just kind of – I don't want to say, well, I was happy to hear it, but it, he, he really did deflate some of those fears right away because you're just in shock that a doctor would be – that matter of fact with it. Um, and, and it turns out acute lymphoblastic leukemia, it's a cancer of the blood. It is the number one childhood cancer uh, as far as the number of children who get it. It is absolutely number one in that. It's also the fastest killer of any cancer. Um, they don't know exactly when it starts or typically how long you've had it beforehand, but it is rapidly, rapidly multiplying. It's essentially an infantile white blood cell that mutates probably in the bone marrow and then just starts to over overwhelm everything else. So it multiplies, and as it multiplies, your body can't produce red blood cells, white blood cells, platelets, because it's just filled with these with these um, leukemia cells that just get in the way of everything else. So I, in one sense, people die from leukemia, but the other sense is they die from complications because their body can't do normal things. And in Elijah's case, 80% of his bone marrow was leukemia by this point. No, I'm sorry, 80% of his, yeah, 80% of his bone marrow and then I think 30% of, of all of the blood supply in his body was leukemia cells. And so uh, this began what they told us would be a three-and-a-half-year journey of treatment at this point to, to kill um, the leukemia in his body. And initially they said he was in a realm of 90 to 95% um, cure rate as far as remission and then not getting it back for more than five years. So that was really exciting. You know, we can we can take those odds. And it was really good. And then you you start taking the chemo treatment and, um, you know, it's terrifying at first and then it starts to become habit and starts to become routine. And those, those first 10 months, everything was topsy-turvy. I mean, you're, you're on a different schedule every 30 days with that leukemia. Um, so they'll do something and by the time you get used to it, they're doing something else. And there's times where he feels good and then there's times he feels sick as a dog. Uh, he lost part of his hair, then it would grow back blonde and then he lost it all and then it grew back really blonde. Um, and in the meantime, he, he had some complications that bumped him up into what they call the very high risk category. And and even today, I still don't really know what that means. I, I know I have a son who's in the very high risk category for relapse. Does that mean he has a 50-50 shot? Does that mean he has an 80% shot? I don't know. And at some point, the statistics don't really help because, uh, you know, if it's kind of like if you get anything or somebody in your family has it, you become aware of everybody who's got this stuff. And so in our case, 
I feel like we know everybody who has cancer in South Florida, every child who has cancer, which means you hear every relapse story. And I don't know. There are a lot of days where my wife and I say it feels like it's 50-50 on all of them. It's supposed to be this great great odds of, of um, you know, being relapse-free, and it sure seems like we know a lot of people that have. And so what does that do to you? Um, for us, I think, you know, you can choose to live in fear, but but I think we've we just kind of try to live in whatever reality that is. So I very much just live in thankfulness for today because I, I know as far as I know today he hasn't relapsed. And uh, every day when he gets up in the morning and comes and crawls in our lap or, or you know, just ask to do some normal little boy thing, it's a precious day. Um, you know, those first few years, I, I tried to count it up. And uh, I think he will... He just finished, um, let's see, well over a thousand, well over a thousand. So I think it was one thousand two hundred and eight days of chemo, um, where he was getting chemo pills, two to three pills every morning on Thursdays. He was getting another ten to twelve of methotrexate, which is another kind of chemo. Every month, a lumbar puncture through his chest. Every um, Five days every month, prednisone, which is a steroid on top of it, taking Bactrim to counteract the the sickness. And that was maintenance. Like this was – the funny thing is that was the easy schedule that we've been on for the last two and a half years. The first 10 months, it's just like life stops. Um, Your family split up in multiple directions. You – it's just hard because like you don't know what to anticipate and then – you're terrified at every complication. You're trying to you're trying to trust God through it, um, but you just don't know. You just don't know. So everybody's tired and dragging. And you know, in the meantime, if you have other kids, it's it's a challenge on them because they're scared about their sibling and they're missing mom and dad. Um, so that's just that's the nature of this cancer journey. Even when everything is going well, in our case, I would say you know we had a pretty dream scenario. His Treatment largely went well, a few complications. We have the most amazing support system I could imagine, and many of you listening to this are are part of that support system. Um, We are solidly grounded in our faith in Jesus, and and, uh, so there's not this wondering and questioning and and screaming out at, at God as this stuff's going on. We know who we belong to. And we have hope far beyond the cure of cancer. Um, my hope rests in a person in Jesus Christ, and my hope rests in um, being with Him for eternity and having that abundant life. And my my kids trust in Jesus, my wife trusts in Jesus, and so um, there was no guarantee in that trusting in Jesus that everything was going to go our way. Um, but but we have that hope in Him, and so even with that dream scenario. It's hard. It's just a challenge. Um, and so for those who don't have that dream scenario, it's it's brutal. Um, so any of you listening, that you, you have friends or family walking through that, um, just as the Lord prompts you to love on them, to take a meal to them, to offer to come watch their kids or do special dates for their other kids who are not going through that kind of treatment, all of that stuff is special. Um, yeah, And I will tell you that the whole... Um, 
hey, just let me know how I can help. Like that's one of those that's hard to do because I don't know I, – I can't think of ways for people to help. And if people tell me ways, I can say yes or no. But it's, it's really hard to think of ways to help when you just feel overwhelmed yourself and you don't know when you're being presumptuous. So you know, the more specific you can be with help, like I would like to bring you a meal or I'm just going to bring you a meal. Tell me what kind of food you like or I'd like to take your other kids for a special date. Um, or here's date money for you and your spouse and we'll watch your kids. Um, or can I come take an, a, a time sitting in the hospital if there's long times? There's all kinds of ways you can help that are um, specific. So that's just some advice in, in there. Uh, I just want to kind of finish out today with a few thoughts that I've had um, going through this. Because I will say uh, I'm I'm excited. I'm in awe. My little boy is nine now and is healthy as a horse, seems like, and uh, doing well. And I'm excited to see what's this little body going to be like not bombarded with chemo every day. Um, but at the same time, I'm a little bit afraid. Uh, and, I'll, and I'll get to that in just a minute. So here's some thoughts I had. Uh, first off, in a lot of ways, um, it sounds worse than it is. The, the cancer diagnosis, all of the treatment I talked about, um, in some ways it, it, it sounds worse than it actually is because the truth is it, Elijah had 1,200 days of chemo. He had hundreds of injections, so many hospital stays, but he never had all that at one time. We were never faced with all of that at one time. I, you know, the most, the, the most injections that he had in a day, one, two, three, maybe four, yeah, like a, a, through his port, through his back, and in both of his legs at one day, which that's a pretty awful day, but that's not a hundred, and that's not a thousand. And so, you know, you, the more that you kind of take the weight of every day, and especially the future days, it gets it gets really hard. But, but as far as when we were walking through it, um, every day there was grace for that day. Every single day. Some of the days were really hard, but every single day there was grace for that day. And as long as we stayed in the grace of that day, we did well. The times we really started to tank were when we projected the next day and the next day and the next day and then the fear of what's going on. Um, so, yeah, in, in, in some ways, you know, these treatments are harder and worse than anybody could imagine. But in a lot of ways, it sounds worse than it is. And I don't mean to demean anybody else's experience in that. That's just our particular experience. Another thought would be that I can just tell you, not just from the Bible, but from experience, that the presence of Jesus is is so very real. The grace of God is very real. The, the peace of the Holy Spirit is very real because we were supported and carried and cared for in ways that are just um, impossible outside of the sovereignty of God and the presence of God. So, you know, these trials are they're hard things, but Man, there's, there are ways that you get to experience Jesus that you just wouldn't otherwise. And I could just go on story after story about that. Um, and another thought is that there really is a lot of joy to be had in the pain and sorrow. Um, you know, some of the sweetest times and memories of our lives, we're in the midst of the hard stuff where just anything happy that happens is so much more precious. And you just have a, a real appreciation for it. Sweet joy, not just things you're making up, but sweet joy. And at the same time, um, the root of bitterness will defile even the good things going on in your life. And that's something that we had to be careful to be tempted into. And I definitely saw as as we walked alongside other families going through this treatment and sometimes going through way worse than what we were and sometimes going through things that were way easier than what we were is that once bitterness takes hold, 
It defiles even the good times that you're having. It defiles even the good gifts in your life. So just if you have any, any root of bitterness whatsoever in your life for anything, pull it up, uproot it, confess it, get rid of it because it will spoil everything. Um, one of the other lessons of grace that, that I learned is you just need to give people the benefit of the doubt. Um, as you're walking through, as we were walking through this health treatment, you know, my wife didn't mean to snap at me. Uh, the nurses certainly didn't lay in bed this morning and think of ways that they could make us nervous or upset or mess things up. Um, people, when they were giving comments to us, they sure weren't, weren't trying to make us feel worse. And even the the ones like when where people say, "Hey, let me know if you need anything," you know, most of the time they really mean it. They just don't know how to help. And and sometimes if you ask them to help and they can't. Um, it's not because they were liars. It's just because they're human and they're people and, and people are faulty and people fail. And, you know, on top of that, I have to give myself the benefit of the doubt because, I, you know, even in normal circumstance, I fail. But when you're walking through something tremendously um, heavy with, with the kind of load on you that you do with a chronic sickness, you're just going to blow it. And you have to give yourself the benefit of the doubt. Um, you have to walk in the grace and forgiveness of God. You have to forgive others. You have to forgive yourself and uh, just realize that even if everybody did everything right, it wouldn't fix all of the problems. So just give them the benefit of the doubt. Walk on, like Taylor Swift says, shake it off. Um, you know, another thing I, I ask my I, – I've asked God over and over again to just build my children into these amazing people that are – that are mature, that know Jesus, that are fruitful, that God would use our family as a blessing to the world. Um, and the truth is, I don't get to pick how he does that. And in our case, he chose to use this cancer journey to do that. And so, you know what? God is is every bit as good even if your kid gets cancer. God is every bit as good even if your kid is suffering from something else. Um, this world is marked with suffering, and, and the goodness of God is often in the presence of God in the midst of the suffering. Uh, we don't just have a God that heals and takes away all pain, but he sits in the midst of it. And uh, that's one of those amazing things to, um, to experience. Um, speaking of suffering, uh, I noticed that, that families walking through emotional and psychological illnesses, especially in their children, they don't get near the sympathy that pa- cancer patients get. Um, we we've kind of been in both worlds. We've we've had uh, one child walking through cancer treatment. We've had another child um, who just through no fault of her own has a number of of emotional and mental and psychological issues, and people just don't understand, um, you know, or they'll say they understand, and that makes it even harder because they don't understand. And they'll give you glib answers and. And uh, so I've just learned and would encourage give a lot of grace. If somebody's uh, child is, is struggling with some kind of mental illness, um, you know, it's certainly not a matter of, well, if you just spank them, then that would fix it. Or, you know, they're fine for me. Well, it's great. They're fine for you. I'm really happy about that. But it doesn't make that person a bad parent. Um, they've got a damaged child. And, and we're just in a world where they don't get the uh, support and they don't get the understanding that sometimes you do with a very obvious diagnosis like cancer. So uh, I've just learned to have grace with those people. Um, 
And so just finally, as we're done with this chemo treatment, I have to admit that I'm a little bit scared because chemo has become a bit of a crutch. And I know all kinds of people who finished their chemo and they've relapsed and some of their stories didn't go well. And so it's a super happy day, but it's a scary day. And, um, and what I have to learn is I'm just going to have to trust God. And that sounds so glib, but I'm just going to have to trust God. And I know that trusting God doesn't mean my son won't get uh, cancer again. I know that trusting God doesn't mean that he won't relapse again. Um, But I do know that trusting God means that whatever happens, uh, God will be there. Whatever happens, Jesus won't leave you. He won't forsake you. If you trust God, you see God. You You experience God. God doesn't take away all of the bad circumstances. Um, and so what we're going to do is we're going to pray that that day never comes, that day of relapse never comes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy trip insurance on the, the trips that I take just in case it does, but I'm going to pray that it doesn't. And that is no lack of faith. That is just reality. I know it's going to rain some days. I don't know when. It's no lack of faith to think it might rain on uh, your special day. It's just the way the world is. So I'm going to pray that day never comes. I'm going to take precaution for when it does. And in the meantime, we're going to live in gratitude and we're going to marvel at the little man that God has made our son to be and the family that he has forged us in through this. Hey, thanks so much for listening today. I hope it's been some of a blessing to you in whatever you're walking through. This is Let's Parent on Purpose. It's a ministry of Covenant Fellowship Baptist Church in Stewart, Florida. We invite you to check us out at covenantfellowship.com or come visit us at 9.30 or 11 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Uh, You can also go to letsparentonpurpose.com and check out our weekly blog. Um, Find different resources there that will help you along your way. Uh, If you've got any questions or comments, please uh, email me, jay at covenantfellowship.com. That would be a great way to get a hold of me. And I just want to remind you, this is a marathon, not a sprint. Don't give up. It will get better. We'll talk to you soon.